Welcome everybody to the Amramudo Discovery. Today's guest is Sharon Bahraini, a fellow Iranian uh, coach who has helped me through many uh, interesting times in my life. Today he's here to talk uh, with us about uh, the topic of serendipity in this very interesting time where we're trying to hold on dearly to anything that we can find control over. A financial background, telling people to trust in themselves and uh, seize the opportunities in the moment. If you're listening to this podcast, you care about change and you believe that disruption is imminent and there are ways we can get good at it and we can prepare for it. So let's start off with uh, Sharon. I heard your story uh, about you coming to Holland. Took you about a week to get from the border of Pakistan as a 17 year old to uh, finally getting arrested in Amsterdam while you were on your way to Toronto. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what you felt as you were basically suddenly on your own? You, I think at that moment, the fear is so big, you're not aware of what's going on. Mm. You know, it's as an animal, you have to react. It, uh, it was a reaction on what's happened. Mm. So at that moment, I was not aware of what was going on. I tried to survive. And when you survive, yeah, after all, you can't tell what's happened. But at that moment, it was only how do I make sure that I stay alive. Wow. And this staying alive was a real imminent threat because... Uh, Definitely. I heard you telling about that your convoy, the, the smugglers convoy, yep. got, got raided yep. by another gang. Yeah. And they shot me and uh, they, uh, yeah, I saw the death. You know? guns were involved. Yeah. yeah. And you guys had to... How did you deal with that in the moment? Panicking? No, I was not at all panicking. Wow. I was thinking of, you know, when you are sitting in the barber shop, you have you you do not have to move, because <laughs> if so something's happening, you should stay where you are. That's the best uh, thing that you can do. I was quite uh, no, not panicking. After after Matt, after that, I feel the panic. How, how did that take place? Because then you can think, oh, it can happen this or it can happen that. But at the moment that's happened, I was quite, uh, now it was not a relax, but I was very uh, calm. Calm. Well, um, so you, you managed to get into Holland. You had a very nice family. Uh, take you into their home. Yeah. You spent about a year uh, getting on your feet, going to school. Yeah. You grew up in Amsterdam, followed studies, and yeah. you told me about you have a lot of luck in your life. Yeah. So you you managed to survive the yeah. convoy yeah. from Pakistan to to Amsterdam. Yeah. You managed to find people who would take care of you in Holland. Yep. Yeah. And then you had your first job at a McDonald's. Yep. Yeah. And made it to management. Yep. Yeah. Even. That's right. Can you tell me a little bit about um, recognizing these opportunities or grasping the lucky moments? Um, you know, most of time you, you feel insecure. When you feel insecure, you try to plan scenarios. Okay. What if 
this happened? What if that happened? So I had a two personal toolkit, so I was prepared for every situation. Mm. And uh, and what I learned was just, you know, I am a tough finance guy. Okay. If I visit somewhere there will be not even one penny i take everything so when i go through when i audit you are in trouble okay. you cannot hide anything from me so uh from this you know when you feel insecure you try to create for yourself an artificial uh reality which you try to prepare for every situation what I learned is still there are, it doesn't matter how much data I have. And I am a data fetish guy. Okay. The big data and artificial intelligence help us, but it's not 100%. There will be always unpredicted events, mm. which you can see it as a threat or you can see it as an opportunity. You know, when what I discovered, there was my plans and my scenarios was not uh, good enough. When I start to not to plan and to be open, what wants to happen at this moment, mm -hmm. and that is the, the meaning of opportunity. When you are focused with your plan, there are lots of opportunity which comes on your path. Mm -hmm. You can call it as a distraction but you can define it as a new opportunity and i have my most truthful you know i am proud that i have been open to these things distractions some people say you're not focused but i think i have been much more successful also financially okay and uh by being open and not being focused and it's not, you know, it's not, it doesn't mean that don't focus, but the focus leads to blindness okay. and without focus, no results. You have to deal with both things. It's not one or the other. You got to know the strength of being focused and the weakness of yes. being focused. You have wow. to change between these two uh, extreme. And uh, I myself have gotten a lot of times in my life uh, the the comment that I change careers too yep. often. I've done many different uh, yep. businesses, many different branches. And <clears throat> I always, the only reason I could justify it for myself was as long as I'm learning mm -hmm. and growing, it's good enough. Yeah. I do not feel like I need to be excelling in one niche hundred percent because yeah. I'm too young yeah. to be focusing like that. I'm still yeah. gathering skills and knowledge yeah. and experiences. And that's what's valuable to me. And that's, yeah. that's what makes it yeah. fun. Yeah. At the same time, I also do feel like if I look around me, yeah. I see people who did not live the free life like I lived it and they stuck with one trade yeah. and they either climb the corporate ladder or they grew the same business, the same in the, they stay in the same business for many years. Yeah. And sometimes I reflect and then I get insecure yeah. about whether I made the right choice yeah. or not. Yeah. How do you, you're, you're almost 20 years older than me. How yeah. do you deal with this doubt that you might have at some moments? Yeah. You know, until the age of 38, 
I worked about 18 years for corporate. Okay. When I look at that period, I was servant of the corporate, mm-hmm. and I tried to grow up on the ladder. Okay. But when I reflect on that, and I'm not blaming the corporate or the system, but when I look at to my own corporate, uh, corpor- uh, you know, when I look at to my uh, contribution, mm-hmm. I don't think that the world is a better place due my contribution. And that is a sad conclusion when, uh, when I said, okay, it's very attractive. It's like a gold chain yeah. to be loved as long as, you know, I, it was not about me. Mm-hmm. My identity was the corporate. I was a corporate guy. Okay. I was welcome in the business club as long as I was working within the corporate. I had friends because I had a corporate life. Maybe I had a girlfriend or partner oh. because the corporate and the past, the last 12 years, I coach a lot of people from corporate. And you know, after 2008, mm-hmm. I have had a lot of bankers who working in the financial system and uh, industry. And when they lose their job, the next day they lose their partner. And the, the day after, they were not welcome in the business club, so they uh, lost their friend. The, they lost their friends. So uh, this, that happened to me too. Wow! And uh, and it was a wake up call. And you know, Dennis, we are as long as you know. I think for me, when I left the corporate, it was for me. A fantastic time because in the corporate life I have to obey the rules mm. I was as an innovation manager but the innovation manager it was it's a false statement people wants just only to know they need to have the management needs something for their Friday uh, meetings at the you know when they are drinking oh we have a guy we are doing this or you are doing that it was not about innovation I give you two example once I went to the boardroom I introduced my plan this is at what company but forget the company because okay. it's not about the company it's a corporate world okay as an innovation manager I had 30 minutes to present my ideas about innovation, how to, the new ideas for the industry. And the CEO asked me, Sharam, how many companies are looking to this idea? I call a few names. Then he said, God damn, we pay you such a big money and you are coming to telling me that all these companies are working on that and you call this innovation? Go away, come back when you have fresh ideas. Good, no. good. No. Six weeks later, I came again to report Whatever. the status of the the same question. How many companies are working with this? I said, no one. This is just a piece of paper. No more than this, what I'm telling you. He said, oh, put it aside. When there are more people, more organization wants to work on this, you come back. <laughs> you see, this is the corporate life. The corporate life is how we maintain status quo. Yeah. 
Mm. How we maintain the rich get richer. Okay. You know, all those marketing terms, customer friendly, chief customer officer, from my opinion, is a bullshit. I was chief manipulation officer. Give me a, a bunch of numbers. Then I'm asking you, how do I want that I present them to you? How you want to see the curve? Framing, and that is basically frame, frame how you want this to, and you know, and that is my problem with independent consultant, a bullshit. The person who is paying you, he will decide what you should write. Yeah. Look at the journalist. Who is paying the journalist? Yeah, yeah that's uh, being an independent independent provider of information or, or ideas but the independent what i mean the independent is a bullshit we are interdependent we need each other true yeah. and then in that concept then you come to the song me what does mean without you well let's uh, let's call in a little break have something to think about yeah um if you're listening to this podcast, you do care about change. And if you care about change, you tell your friends about it. So please like, share, subscribe, and let us know in the comments what you think of this episode. Sharam, um, I have to get back at you. Um, when, when we make decisions that are not uh, accepted by our surrounding, and we sit with ourselves, we do not know what the next step is. Uh, we think of the past, the examples we know, the things that worked. You are a person I know from your story. You decided to not follow the path that you knew. You decided to halt that and figure out what's next. Mm -hmm. Where did you find the self-confidence? Where did you find the trust? Where did you find the, the patience to sit with the insecurities? I, I think a few things. Um, you know, when you change, you know, it was not for me a, a planned change. Okay. It was unpredicted. From one another day, I was in Holland. I lost my parents. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had to survive. So the pressure mm -hmm. was there and it was me to have come into action. Mm. The second, to be lucky to meet right people. Uh, that was the second one. The third, the insecurity makes that you are going to overdrive. You are going to run to fix the things. Mm -hmm. That is one reaction. Some people, when feel insecure, they go inside and they are not very active. So everyone reacts in a way to a change. So when you are in a situation, you can do different things. And in my case is over drive. That's your go-to. That was my go-to. The second one, I was, I was a pain in the ass because I talk, I ask a lot of advice from people. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, some people came back to me you always do whatever you want. Why you ask me for advice? <laughs> right? <laughs> so I try to, when you look at and the diversity, uh -huh. I don't want 
to ask two people with the same idea, same background for the same problem. Uh -huh. I want to have different people with different angels mm -hmm. and it's on me to analyze and decide what to do. And also taking the consequences and not going to blame, oh, the advisor was not good. Mm -hmm. The only person, it's about me. And I was really uh, happy to, and also allowing yourself make mistakes. Mm -hmm. The day that I did not make a mistake is a lost day. Wow. And that, what I'm saying is very, you know, it's very bold to say that try to within the corporate life do it they kill you yeah they punish as long you. as you good results good numbers you may have ideas but there is not acceptable to make problems to make mistakes, mistakes. Yeah. so uh, allowing yourself to make mistakes and learning every day and trial and error how do you because i myself as a very prime example, yeah. this podcast. Yeah. We tried to record it last time. My microphone was off. I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? Yeah. Ruined it. Then I was like, let me just, I'll be honest. I messed up. Yeah. Can we redo it? You were a good sport. We're sitting here again. Um, I myself get a lot of feedback from people when I'm making this stuff is that oh the quality is off the sound is this uh, but I, I listen to the feedback and I'm like nobody's talking about the content and they're like no it's hard to consume the content because the quality is disturbing yeah. a lot of people tell me to not make it until it's perfect yeah I myself have set myself the challenge that my the game that I am playing is whether I can have a good conversation or not. Can I be a good listener in the moment? And can I engage in these conversations and find the deeper layers of... Because the stories you tell are stories that look, look nice, but when I hear them, I listen and I'm thinking, okay, so this is a human being who went through a experience of loss, of pain, of loneliness, of being abandoned, of, of abandoning his clique, of uh, setting flames to his identity, rebuilding it. Where's the emotional journey? Where's the emotional layer in that? And how, yeah. how does one uh, find the courage and faith that it's going to be okay? I can do this. I can set my life on fire, watch it burn down to the ground and rebuild anew. Where do you find the emotional courage? You can't do it in your own. You need other people. You need other people who think in the same way, mm -hmm. who are loving you. Cool. You know, me as a corporate guy, mm -hmm. I was a one dimensional person. I had just only my brain mm -hmm. was completely detached from my body. You know, you have your heart and you have your sexual energy. Mm -hmm. I was completely disconnected with both two. I didn't let even people come too close to me. When you touch me, mm. I feel very uncomfortable. Mm. And look at how many people are dealing with such a thing. Yeah. So I went through, I said, you know, having pleasure for me was an issue to accept the idea. Oh, wow. Allowing myself to having a pleasure and not a fake pleasure. Mm. 
It's a big difference. Yeah. Pleasure Put from your head yeah. or really feeling your body. Mm. And by going through that process, I discovered there is more than what we can imagine with by our head. Mm. So it was, I had a few positive experience with when I go beyond my imagination. Uh, for many people is hocus pocus or uh, <laughs> it's difficult to accept or to allow. But if you yourself allow to have a, such an experiment mm -hmm. and you it let, let, let like a small tree, if you take care of that way of living, mm -hmm. the tree will grow. And again, unfortunately, I had good people who allowing me to experience such a thing. Even well, even within corporate. Oh wow! <laughs> Thank, thanks everybody who allowed the Sharam uh, and helped him on this journey. I think it's a beautiful answer to phrase it that that having a a nest of people that that support you in that process is definitely one of the biggest cornerstones in uh, building rebuilding yourself. If I if I reflect on my own uh, passage. Uh, most of the time, the only thing I asked from my uh, surrounding was uh, trust. Trust that it will be okay. I do not know what's going on. I know it's messy. It's ugly. It's it's a complete disaster at times. But do you have faith in that I will land on my feet? I have it. And it would help me if you had it as well. And I think that's something we can ask for as well. Yeah, you know, ask our friends, ask our family yeah. to have trust. Because when, when people are concerned, in my case, I had to deal with a traumatized family because of my accident, because I almost died. They were traumatized. So if I would uh, miss my alarm clock, they would think I was dying. And I had to really reinstall faith in them as well to like, hey, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to go and fall. And sometimes you scratch yourself and you bleed. Yeah. But it's not like I'm a candle and if you blow, I will go out. It's not like that. So I think accepting our own fragility at the same time is, is a very important part of embracing our own strength. Because you, you cannot deny the pain in this process. Otherwise, you, it will be very lonely. You have to hide all of it, which I did for a very long time and it was very lonely. But, but sharing that part and being able to talk about these things is difficult. I think where you're coming from, as you were describing yourself as a one-dimensional person, yep. you went through a lot of change to be able to even yep. look at it like that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Man. Thank you very much, Sharon. And we're back with our Muto Discovery Sharam here talking to us about being interdependent, dependent, and independent being a very big lie. I gotta, I gotta share a little bit story of my own experience with realizing uh, how dependent I was after my accident. Um, I'm a very physical guy. I used to drive a motorcycle. I liked chopping up wood and building stuff. I started architecture, worked with metal welding and laying bricks, realizing that uh, my physical existence was not uh, guaranteed. 
because of the fact that I could not put food in my own mouth. I could not drink water for three months. I was completely paralyzed from the neck down. It really messed with my uh, self-image, my self-esteem, my self-worth. The fact that uh, my the only thing I could do physically myself was just breathe. I needed help going to the bathroom, dressing myself, feeding myself. It completely crashed my system. It, it took me a very long time to be able to uh, get rid of my allergy towards uh, being interdependent, receiving and giving. I was uh, very bad at receiving for a very long time in my life. Um, and it definitely uh, made me ponder about why do I like my self-image more uh, if I am less dependent? May I congratulate you? You are typically a normal guy of this time. Yeah. Because you are not the only one who receiving compliments or receiving something in our education in the, this time. Mm -hmm. The society defines as independent is a good thing. I know what to do. And dependent is a less acceptable position. So <laughs> I, I always use the example of uh, shying, tying your own shoelaces. Yeah. That how we uh, teach our kids. Yeah. As a parent, you get tired of tying your shoe, kids' shoelaces. So you're trying to teach them how to tie their own shoelaces. Yeah. There is a moment that they can tie their own shoelaces, but they also appreciate you yeah. doing it. Yeah. And then you have to uh, shift something in their mind to feeling better about it when they do it themselves. So you applaud them and call them a big boy or a big girl when they do it themselves and then fast forward till you're like 70 or 80 usually when you cannot do it yourself anymore i had that experience at the age of age of 25 and then you lose that sense of pride that you got installed in your young ages by your parents that look at me i am a big person now I can do this myself versus I require somebody else to do it for me and I cannot appreciate it. Well, you should. It took me a long time to be able to appreciate it again and to just value the interdependence, the interaction of somebody is giving me love and care and attention yeah. at this moment. Yeah. Why should I be allergic to that? I discovered it that it was mostly programmed. So when it's programmed, I can update it. I can I can reinstall it myself towards something that's not uh, directly correlated towards how I feel about myself. But I know how hard that was. And if I look around and I want you to, to pitch in on that as well, you decided to change how interdependent or how dependent you were from the corporate world to not rely on them. You changed your world. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did your self image and your value of yourself go to that, through that period? Um, ups and downs. <laughs> when I come to my uh, parents, they say, you are crazy. Yeah. When I went to conservative uh, meetings, then crazy guy. 
but there are also places there are also communities where they appreciate it mm. so uh, when i talk to my wife and children i feel very good so it depends on where i am who are giving me the the feeling and when and you sit by yourself alone uh still i have to sometimes i'm suffering i'm sometimes i feel happy so what i that's that is what i think it's not about only happiness and only suffering mm. both need each other net like day and night mm. you know we grew up in the in this time we talk about dualism mm. you are with us or you are with against us Whoa. but the truth is it's a non-dualism there is no day without night mm. i am sometimes with you mm. and sometimes not with you both are possible it's not choosing one of these two options those are on the table and depends on the situation i choose in which state mm -hmm. and that is why and and that makes to accepting uh, you know we are living in a in a time that social norms mm -hmm. dictating our life mm -hmm. yeah especially now and it's not only for now in many years yeah. and i feel you know i feel that we are living in middle ages in what sense you know you are you know as long as your ideas your contribution your way of living mm -hmm. i call it as long as you draw between the lines yeah. that is the normal status mm -hmm. is socially accepted it's okay yeah and you can be independent you can be free you can say whatever you want if it that fits. is our democracy yeah, it fits. as long as fits between the lines as long as your ideas does it fit between the lines you will be persona non grata mm. and then we can label you you can uh, the extremist extremism and uh, lefties right things populist there is no space to be not normal mm. the normal is the only way that is acceptable it's the way to go yeah and again the normal and not normal both are, both, yeah. both are exist yeah. um, I'm curious we're we're in a time of uh, change yeah like the reason why I am making this podcast the reason why I am sharing my energy management compass the reason why I am uh, spending time on impacting as many as people as possible with the only truth that I have learned is that change is coming. It's coming at a faster pace. Um, right now, we are experiencing the biggest upheaval in, 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 in the history of capitalism, uh, so to say. Like, oh, we have to unplug uh, business as usual. And we are waiting to go back to business as usual as fast as possible. In my perspective... We have not thought about the uh, forest fires that are coming towards us this summer as they had it in Australia. It's going to go to America. 
We have not thought about the amount of climate refugees that are going to be walking around the earth finding water and food because of droughts. So the, the speed of change and, and the size of it is increasing. Um, yet all we talk about is how do we get back to the way it was? Yeah. How, how does one, you, you did it in your own life. You had a certain status quo and then you took an ax, chopped it in half, threw it to the side and went looking for something new. Uh, I feel like as a society, as, as, as a global connected interdependent person, we need to be able to do that. Yeah. Okay. Two remarks. Go. First of all, your observations mm -hmm. about the current time, I'm not totally agree on that. Okay. Uh, the second, thank you very much for all your compliments, <laughs> but that's not true too. About yourself? About myself. You know, no. it's about how we package it and how we look like. Okay. So everyone is unique. Everyone is doing their best. Yeah. And uh, so it doesn't mean, so I did it. That's not true. Go back to first observation, which is what's happening right now. It depends on if you look at to the mainstream media, yeah. uh, it's a mess. But when you try to look at the situation from a distance, mm. it's not that a big deal. You know, I don't even want to hear all kind of conspiracy theory. Is it Chinese virus? Is it American virus, CIA? I don't care. Mm. But at the end, we lost 20,000 people. Maybe we lost 100,000 people. We're losing human lives. Mm. It, it's, you know, when you look at the number of casualties within the traffic, is much more. No. What I see, how vulnerable and how addicted mm. we are to our normal life, which we hate it. No. No one wants to be normal, but as soon as the normal is not there, we miss it. Mm. What I see are we are dependency mm. to the system get much more. So again, we are dependent mm. and we are independent and we have to play on both chessboards. It's not about we are completely dependent. It should be a balance between dependent and not being dependent. So and what I see happening, we tend to more dependency to internet, to data, to yeah. science, to politicians. So the strong elements get much more strong and the weak will be more weak. This is one scenario, but mm. it should not, it, it's not you know, there are different ways to look at this. But do you do you agree that there is a certain level of addiction to our habits and, and uh, way of life? Certainly. And, and as soon as they get interrupted, we like junkies are looking. We, the physiology, our brain mm -hmm. is the functioning of the brain is based on automatization. Yeah. We need our routines because imagine how much calculation the brains had to do when you every morning stand up 
everything from start from scratch the brain mm -hmm. has to calculate okay what will be the next no yeah. it is routine so how or do you have any idea about how do we implement the change that is uh, required of us or it's not you know we uh -huh. you mark we I, I I first I have to look to downgrade my own role yeah. because we think we are ruling the nature yeah, but true. nature is ruling us we're part of it yeah. you know in 2008 we need 30 billion euros to fix the problem in Holland mm. 12 years later the first estimation is 100 billion I think we're gonna manage corona we did nothing the real change will not be there mm. because we are still ruling the nature Mm. I think the only thing that we have to go go with the flow of the nature yep. what wants to happen right now you can we can you know we can nationalize our aircraft industry our tourist industry but you can start to reorganize we need a new design mm. and as long as our professors our experts our politicians come from the age of 1900 the last century yeah. outdated theories i don't think that much gonna happen mm. and maybe you say this is not very positive optimistic uh, future in my opinion is very optimistic because if you know that oh, you can change then you no 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 first is to accept it if you accept it it doesn't bother you anymore true then you know what will be your role. It doesn't matter what you do. Mm. Nothing gonna change. Oh wow! So you take it takes generations. It takes time. Mm. We are the majority of people. As long as majority of people mm. want to maintain the status quo and normal, back to normal, that's gonna happen. The change not gonna happen. No. So we need bigger disasters. Yeah. For example, we fix Corona, but what happened if uh, the the production of uh, the production because of a disease? We don't have a bread, we don't have rice. How food, are we gonna yeah, food. Or imagine if we have a very big earthquake, which we expecting. How no. are we gonna solve it? No. Still with data? No. Can you eat data? No. So uh, I am optimistic, mm. but I am also realistic. I agree on that. The reason why I am putting my efforts into this is to also accept the fact that um, I myself had to go through a very big, impactful accident to, with a lot of resistance, go through the change I needed personally. Yeah. And I would find it a shame that uh, society would need a disaster of that scale to reinvent itself. Can we uh, reach that sense of urgency without a disaster of that scale? Okay. Do we need that much pain to go through change? Okay. My reaction on that is yeah. you put it on the shoulder of the society. 
don't try to mobilize to mm. change the society. Mm. The change starts from you and mm. from me. And let's be also realistic. Mm. We can do a lot, but again, we have to downgrade our influence. Yeah, be realistic about the impact yeah. we can have. Yeah. That's true. You know, if today we talk about capital mm -hmm. and we talk about the replacement of human factor by robots, mm -hmm. by data, we talk about the privacy. If you take it granted as a given, inevitable, mm -hmm. then you are suffering. But you have more choices to go the other way. No. And it, we need the awakening. And as long as we do not want to suffer, because seeing this is not a very optimistic scenario, if we do not accept that on personal level, forget the society. Mm. Oh. Good luck. Good luck indeed. Thank you for joining today, Shara. Um, as you're listening to this show, you might be hearing things that you do not like to hear. <laughs> um, I myself even uh, had to swallow for a moment to be realistic about the impact that we can have in one life. That does not take away that the effort and the pursuit of uh, um, our goals is something noble and worthwhile. Thank you all for tuning in for the Amor Muto Discovery. We heard about the importance of serendipity, how uh, interdependent we are and we are fluctuating between being dependent and independent and non-dualism non-dualism yeah one of my favorite terms in buddhism as well in the spiritual teachings and in the end a very sobering uh, approach towards change that the guy in the mirror or the girl in the mirror that's the one you can impact mostly and that should be your frame of focus Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Sharon, for joining today.